If there's only one word to remember about Keltec, it's innovation. A privately owned family company, Keltec has been making one of a kind American made firearms since 1995. Driven by creativity, Keltec doesn't just copy other weapons on the market, they innovate new ones, including the new P15 9mm Striker Fire Pistol. The P15 is Keltec's first Striker Fire handgun and is the lightest and thinnest of its kind. Featuring a totally unique patent pending extended magazine, the P15 pistol's other features include fire fiber optic front sight and adjustable rear, ambidextrous safety and magazine release, as well as a gator grip texture that increases stability and makes for easy, accurate handling. The P-15 is fun on the range, but it's definitely great for serious home protection. To find out more about the P-15 9mm Striker Fire Pistol and all other Keltec weapons and products, check out keltecweapons.com. That's K-E-L-T-E-C weapons.com. Keltec, creating innovative, quality firearms to help secure your world. Keltecweapons.com. Dana Lash's Absurd Truth Podcast. I think I actually saw this tweet when she put it out. She said, quote, Kamala looks like a UPS employee. What can Brown do for you? Nothing good, apparently, because, Kane, what is UPS's slogan? What can Brown do for you? Literally, that's their slogan. And that seems innocuous, right? You're making a riff off of a company slogan. Well, apparently... uh, it was deemed to be racist, and Amber was summarily fired from working at WMAL. Of course, she's also the Washington editor of The Spectator and a senior Blankley fellow at the Steamboat Institute. She also was the White House correspondent for The Daily Caller. She joins us now via Skype. Amber Athey. Amber, good to see you, and I'm glad you were able to join us. And I just have to say I'm so sorry for what is happening to you because this is so silly and it's so ridiculous, and I don't understand how you're punished for an obvious joke. Um, and this all just happened to you this week. Tell us about this. Yeah, it's really a crazy story, and thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it, um, especially considering your show, as you mentioned, is syndicated on a couple of cumulus stations. Um, so basically what happened is a month ago I sent that tweet, as you mentioned, and for at least a few days nobody seemed to mind because everyone who saw it understood obviously what the intention was it wasn't until after i got engaged in another twitter showdown situation involving the protests at the university of north texas where people were wanting the right to be able to medically transition children into another gender and these radical gender ideologists decided that because i was speaking out against this they needed to find something anything in my history to be able to shut me up. So the Kamala tweet was intentionally taken out of context. And I guess they tried to make it seem like the Brown was referring to her skin color. They sent a whole bunch of emails to the radio station. And a week later, I was terminated effective immediately with no opportunity to even defend myself to the executives at Cumulus. We're talking with Amber Athey uh, over this tweet. And I'm not even sure... I'm not disagreeing with you, but I don't even know if your tweet can be taken out of context. I mean, the context there, I mean, everybody knows the UPS slogan. I mean, there's no way anyone with more than one brain cell to rub together is going to read this and think that you're making, you know, I'm just going to ruin my career and make a rate. I mean, that's, and everybody's familiar with this. It's, I mean, it's a, it's a advertising, it's a marketing slogan. Uh, was and I think this is what got a lot of people talking because WMAL is a cumulus station and as you noted we're on a number of them that's why I we didn't we didn't clear this conversation with anybody before we had it because this is silly and I can't stand it when conservatives are felled by other reported 
you know, reportedly conservatives. I just I can't stand that. Did WMAL make this decision? They have a friend of mine's on there. They have a lot of great programming. I don't want to you know throw shade at anybody. But when the decision was made, did you get the impression? Was it was it pressure from the higher ups brought on by the progressives or was it the station that made the call? My understanding is that this was a corporate decision, although to this day, after a month of trying to get more clarity on what exactly happened, we still don't have the name of the individual or group of individuals who actually made the decision to fire me. That remains elusive. Um, And I will say that the other hosts on WMAL have spoken out on their own programs in my defense. A lot of them were working behind the scenes trying to get me back on air. And unfortunately, they just exhausted all of their options. Um, The two people who did call me with the decision, I don't know if they were actually involved in the decision-making process, were a woman from HR named Kristen Vancellas and the vice president of the D.C. Area Operations for Cumulus, Jeff Bowden. So those are the only two names that I can give people when they ask me who was responsible for this. Because the truth is, the station has really tried to avoid transparency about exactly how all this went down. If you're not even able to face your accusers, and it's something that actually affects your career, and it also is designed to malign your character. I mean, for the people who are unaware, I mean, we played the video of the Denton, the whole North Texas University up in Denton. That was a nightmare. Uh, That rally that happened, and there was a a young conservative woman who had to hide, literally hide in a closet from the rage mob. Uh, And for those people, their goal obviously wasn't just to get you removed from airwaves. It was to malign your reputation, cast you as a racist and make you toxic for, I think, employment anywhere. And at least it worked with this first step. Did anyone I have to ask you this? We're talking to Amber Athey. Did anyone ask you before the decision was made? Do you I mean, was there at any point did anyone say, "Okay, what's up with the tweet or can you explain this to us? Was it just, hey, here it is. This is the decision. Bye. There was no conversation with anyone um, outside of our show or even within the show um, about this tweet. This was completely out of the blue. Um, Nobody thought that this tweet was really a problem. Nobody thought that Cumulus would be so quick to pull the trigger based on what I assume were maybe half a dozen emails of people complaining. And um, I was actually on the show the morning before I was fired. I hosted the Wednesday morning radio show like I normally do alongside my friend Larry O'Connor, who has been great throughout this whole process. And then it wasn't until three o'clock that afternoon that I got this phone call from the corporate executive telling me that I was terminated immediately and that I couldn't even come back to host the Thursday show like I normally did. I wasn't offered severance. I wasn't offered anything except for, hey, here's your last pay stub. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Wow. We're talking to Amber Athey, who had tweeted when Kamala Harris wore the brown shirt, brown jacket, sitting in a brown chair, uh, was doing a riff on UPS, saying that she looked like a UPS employee and then quoted the UPS slogan and was maligned as being a racist when clearly it wasn't. That I mean, that's um, to be accused of a moral failing without and that way. I and, and when you feel like you're amongst like minded individuals and I don't say that because you expect people to agree with you all of the time, but you expect people to at least you know, hold off on judgment and give benefit of the doubt of the doubt and, and, and explore the story a little bit before rushing to judgment. I, I'm sure that had to kind of surprise you. 
It definitely did. And in fact, I was even mocking the people who were trying to cancel me because I thought it was such a ridiculous tweet to latch on to that there's no possible way that any of my employers would take this seriously. And WMAL and Cumulus were the only ones that did. The Spectator got a couple of emails. They laughed and then deleted them. My fellowship has been standing in support of me. It was really just Cumulus. And I find it so unfortunate because this is a, uh, a network, you know, a media company that makes a lot of money off of conservative talent. And if they're going to tell conservative hosts like yourself, like uh, Dan Bongino, like Mark Levin, Ben Shapiro, that anytime someone accuses them of racism, no matter how uh, you know appropriate the charge or not, that they could be losing their job without a moment's notice, I think is really problematic for our job as political commentators and our ability to speak the truth on air. I mean, if you don't have the protection of your employer and knowing that they're going to uh, defend you from these baseless attacks, then what do you really have? That's a great point. We're talking with Amber Athey. What gets me too, not to call you out, King, because I thought it was an app, you know. Wait, am I fired now? No, yeah. I, well, that, I mean, honestly, <laughs> I mean, let, let me just be honest here for a minute. Is I mean, this was brought to their attention because the she made the protesters in Denton mad because she just spoke obvious truth. You made this joke. I know others made the joke. I mean, it's fun. I mean, for the love. I mean, it does. You don't wear UPS colors. It's just weird. But... You're here. You never, Kay never got an email. Amber gets an email and Amber gets fired. And no apology, no anything. I'm just wondering where the consistency is. I'm not asking for you to get fired because it would be dumb. But I'm just wondering where's the consistency. I mean, if they're truly consistent about this, I'm wondering if they'll say anything to me, to my program. I mean, I would love to have that conversation. I mean, it's, you know, we'll see. But I just think it's silly. It's, I, I wanted to get, and we're talking with Amber Athey, this whole tweet thing is so ridiculous. Tell me about what this has been like for you. I mean, after now all of this has happened, because it's one thing to to face the rage mob when it's the left, but to have someone on the conservative side of things betray you, and that's what it is. It's a betrayal. And a lot of people, and I said this very angrily on social media, there are a lot of conservatives that are too afraid to speak up because they're too busy clout chasing for contributorships on Fox News. Let's be real. Um, And they don't want to say anything because they don't want to rock the boat and they don't want to jeopardize their chances. What has this been like in the aftermath for you? Because to have to be accused of something like this, I don't want to say it hurts your feelings, but it does it does slice you in a way. Talk a little bit to that. Yeah, that's kind of sort of the underrated or undermentioned part of these mob campaigns and these smear campaigns is that there is a personal effect that it has on people. And luckily, I'm a really strong person. Like I went to Georgetown at the height of the safe space trigger warning nonsense. Um, as a really outspoken conservative, I have been attempted to be canceled before. This is not my first rodeo by any means. Uh, I kind of pride myself in being willing to say things that other people are afraid to say and standing up for myself um, against these unjust cancellations. But it does it does get to you sometimes. And if you know it can get to me and I consider myself a very thick skinned person, imagine how many dozens of people are seeing this and saying, I'm never going to speak out again because look at what they did to this girl who actually has some semblance of power in terms of my social media platforms and support from conservative allies. I don't have anything. I'm a random person on Twitter. I don't work in conservative media. 
I mean, there there's a real chilling effect that, that occurs when things like this happen to people because the social and professional ramifications can be so steep, especially if you don't have the support system to back you up. That's true. That's a really good point, because if they can silence you, they can silence. I mean, it, it gives motivation to, you know, as you said, the chilling effect. Amber Athey, last question for you. Are you concerned about what this means for you after this? Are you worried about any kind of professional implications? And if so, I mean, are you exploring any options to rectify this or I mean, on their end to challenge them? I'm just kind of I don't want to get you in a legal bind here because I have no idea what you have planning. But what are you doing? I mean, are you exploring legal options? I mean, it seems unjust. Yeah, it's a good question. I was exploring legal options for a little while. Unfortunately, I am an outgoing employee and the social media policy that they claimed that I violated was so vague as to be useless. Right. It's basically a CYA policy so that they can fire you for whatever reason they want. Um, but, you know, moving forward, I'm not really worried about this. I think the support that I've received in the aftermath has been a hundred times what Cumulus uh, was receiving from people who were upset about the tweet in the first place. And, you know, I still have my job as a spectator. I still have fellowship. I'm finishing up a book. I'm going to be absolutely fine. I'm more worried about what this means for everybody else is the ability to speak freely on matters of politics. And, you know, if you can't criticize the second yeah. most powerful person in the United States, who can you criticize? It's a great point. And I want to point out that Amber's not you're 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 sharp witted, but you're not a bomb thrower for throwing bombs sake. You're not a shock jock for the sake of being a shock jock. I mean, I think your approach has always been very thoughtful and very genuine, which is why it just shocked me that this was, you know, the reaction to a clearly innocuous tweet that you made. I'm sorry that this happened to you. And I hope it doesn't happen to anyone else. And I hope more people band together and speak up when other conservatives are wrongly maligned this way. Amber, Athey, always good to see you. Good to talk to you for the first time in person. You can go and find her work at The Spectator and you can follow her on Twitter as well. I think we had that up at the bottom, lower third. Amber, thanks so much for joining us. Us. appreciate it and now all of the news you would probably miss it's time for dana's quick five brought to you by caltech how to murder your husband writer goes on trial for murdering her husband what? allegedly an oregon romance novelist who once wrote how to murder your husband literally will face trial on monday for killing her husband for a 1.5 million dollar life insurance payout oh my gosh Nancy Crampton Brophy, 71, has pled not guilty to gunning down her husband of 25 years, Daniel Brophy, in Portland in June 2018. He was found with gunshot wounds to his back and chest at the Oregon Culinary Institute where he taught after arriving for work. Now, she told police she was at their home when it happened and she was arrested months later after they discovered she was actually there at the crime scene. When it happened, because it looks like they shot him. That's nuts, though. That's so crazy. And also, your husband of 25 years? Like, what in the world? Oh, man. All right. So, we got this. We also have Amazon has a new internal chat app that plans to ban the words union, pay rise, and plantation to avoid negative sentiment after days after Staten Island became the first to unionize. So, that's kind of a little interesting. Uh, let's see here. Uh, a couple of other things. I am shocked at this story. This comes, let me pull this up, comes from Daily Mail. An influencer, ha- influencer, can we stop using this word? Someone who posts about products and gets paid on the internet accuses eBay of profiting off of the Holocaust 
after finding listings for genocide collectibles. Everything from Yellow Star badges and letters from people who Jewish people who died at the hands of Nazis being sold for thousands of dollars. A 28-year-old from New York ex- who explores thrift stores to find old documents and tries to reunite them with her owners. With her owners, she was looking at eBay and she found literally a listing that was called Holocaust Collectibles. Now, I understand people who get things for historical purpose because I think it's really important to preserve things, not because you're celebrating it or commemorating it. But do you realize what it's like to see one of those stars in per- Glenn Beck has one of those stars. And he puts it up on display like they actually pin this to people. It is wild to to know that 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 people were so depraved. All people are always depraved, but that they that and to see that that was actually on someone's that was on someone's sleeve. That's it it's just uh there's a difference between that and then the exploitation I think of what some of this is, which is what I think this individual is trying to you know there's a difference for historical value and then you know the other the other thing i i get it Ooh, biden's education department is issuing new rules that critics are saying are designed to crush charter schools department we'll talk about this coming up department of education is proposing new rules that will give teachers unions even more power here and uh, more control while making it harder for charter schools to qualify and re- for and receive federal grants. They're going to place limits on um, funding strategy for a lot of these schools. Oh, my goodness. And the, and the only woman truck driver ever knew I met that day, she said, this is Big Mama, no room. <laughs> Swear to God, true story. Swear to God. He said, he said I've got a up. United States senator driving my truck. She said, I got the damn president of mine, so what? <laughs> I'll never forget that. I was a very powerful guy. Anyway, that was the first. Wow. Time. Welcome to the show. That's Joe Biden's mind show. I already welcomed you to mine. Welcome back. Your lovable curmudgeon, Dana Lash. That is the president of the United States who's making up Broadway in his mind. I love this headline from Daily Caller. Big Mama joins Corn Pop in Joe Biden's colorful cast of characters. This is like Disney on an acid trip, right? Big Mama and Corn Pop. It's just a giant puffy kernel. I wouldn't know what a badass the trip is like. I'm just saying, kids. I'm not Big Bird. Stop it. Big Mama, though? Who the hell is that? So he... This is not an actual true story. So he was talking about this. He's trying to kiss the truckers' butts, right? After putting them through hell with all these regulations and everything else, he was applauding truckers for their contribution to the economy. And he was talking about how they're going to help the industry. And so he decided to try to relate to them by making up a story. Right. So he's making up the story. And he said uh, the only female truck driver he ever knew, which sidebar, that sounds kind of sexist because I actually know a lot of lady drivers. Right. I know a lot of truck drivers who happen to be chicks. Just saying. I have no idea how I, I know of them. And I knew one personally when I was younger. My uncle dated one. The, he says the only problem is that there's, he apparently never drove a truck or let alone worked as a truck driver. But he's claiming that he did. So he said that when he was a senator, he rode out to this Deemer Steel Company. This guy who ran the steel company. He decided to ride with him to go to this strike and he said he was going through Ohio and there was a trucker strike and you know all this stuff and and 
literally even PolitiFact was like, this is not even true. This never happened. There's no record that he ever drove out to Ohio in an 18 wheeler for any kind of strike for anything. There's no record of this ever happening. But he's been lied and he said that there was a, this woman blocked him and his, his partner from actually driving through Shiloh. And so he was using, I guess he's on the CB, right? Breaker, breaker, uh, one nine. This is Winnie Bago over. I'm just saying. But he said, just, it's the first thing I could come up with. We got a, we got Smokies up here, half mile marker. I'm just so, did, did anybody else's family, by the way, in their regular ever, average everyday cars have CB radios and would just talk to people? Not the average person, but we had one. Every almost every member of my family had one had a CB radio, and they literally they all talked. It was it was like an it was like Twitter before Twitter, and people would get on, and everybody had a handle. That that was actually the original social media was CB, was that? I just now realized that everybody had a name, and I always wanted. A name for CB radio. And I have half a mind to actually do it. Because I think it's it's just cool. Anyway. He's like. Uh, he was sitting here talking about how all the truck stops were blockaded. During the strike. And he said. his The guy's. I guess his writing partner. Was was Big Ten. And he said. Yeah. He said Big Ten wanting to come in. And he goes. I forget how he said it. And the only woman truck driver I ever met. Said this is Big Mama. No room. He goes. That's a true story. But it's not true. So they, everybody looked at PolitiFact, everybody looked at this. It never happened. So it it sounds, did he watch like too many, did he watch Pee Wee's Big Adventure too many damn times? He's like Francis. Right? This is Big Mama. Good grief. And then I went to the Alamo where I asked if there's a basement there. And can you believe it? That damn jamming hook said there wasn't and laughed at me. Yeah, that was Jan Hooks with her southern accent. This woman's making an authentic Mexican tortilla. Can y'all say tortilla? <laughs> it's the best. That movie's the best. Sorry. But it's like he's recounting Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Every time he tells one of these stories, I have to stop. And I'm like, didn't I watch this as a kid? Pretty sure I did. Like, I'm pretty sure I watched this as a child. Yeah. Why would you lie about something like that? And honestly, it makes me angrier because do you know why people in the press, the, the excuse that n- normal, sensical people have as to why they don't confront him about it? Oh, he's old. If you're listening to my show, then I know that you believe it's your right to keep and bear arms. More than 100 million Americans identify as firearm owners. And in 2021, there were more than 3 million new gun owners in the United States. Silencer Shop is the number one source for suppressors in the U.S. They're a Texas-based company founded in 2010 with a focus on outstanding customer service. Dedication to customers are just one of the reasons that they're ranked 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot. And that's over 25,000 reviews. They had one core belief that guns don't have to be loud. The silencer shop kiosk makes the NFA process easy for your suppressor, SBR, or any NFA item that you'd form for. By tapping into silencer shop for your ATF e-form 4, you'll get your can in your hands faster than ever and expect to get it within 90 days. Check out YouTube and Instagram at silencer shop or visit silencershop.com and you'll experience silencer ownership simplified. Don't forget to check out their apparel as well. That's silencer 
Photoshop.com. It's his life mission to make bad decisions. It's time for Florida Man. So most people on their birthday, they celebrate by having a dinner. Maybe some people have a party. You know, they have birthday cake. But not this 22-year-old Deltona man. Oh, boy. This guy, well, his name's Russell Sliman. He uh, was accused of tackling a deputy, kissing his stepsister, and attacking his parents. That's how he decided to celebrate his birthday. Living large. So the whole thing, he's facing eight felonies now. The whole thing started when the suspect's girlfriend said she saw him forcibly kiss his 16-year-old stepsister. And so that started a fight. As a, that's what started it. A family member dialed 911 after the fight broke out. So the caller said, my stepdad's pulling a gun on him. I'm scared, ma'am. Please help. Deputies drove up to the absolutely chaotic scene. And the only thing that I have is this. I'm going to put this in Slack for you guys. Is this blurred image that's literally from one of the one of the police officers like shoulder cam badges. <sighs> so it was, it was on body camera. They got the audio. I, we can't play it because, oh, my yeah, so the deputy had his taser drawn. Sliman was fighting with everybody, and then he decides to attack the cops. Deputies drove up on the on the scene. Right when they drove up, this dude was already on the ground fighting with another ground uh, fighting with another dude, and uh, it was just crazy. One of the one of the people there said, "I thought I was going to die." So the guy's facing ten charges, including eight felonies. Some of them include in battery, child abuse, and resisting arrest. Happy birthday to that guy! Right, that's how he decided to celebrate. Live in large. I mean, the the whole, the camera shot is just blurry. All you see is a fist and a guy who's making a grimaced face, and it's just a smear. It's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. I can't laugh. It's going to hurt. Oh, all right. So let's see. This is weird. A Clearwater man was arrested for stealing, a lu- for stealing luggage after the family whose luggage he stole sees him wearing their stolen clothes. Uh, he's uh, this Pinellas, Florida man, I uh, suspected to be homeless, was arrested after police say he stole a family's luggage from the ho- their hotel Saturday. Uh, according to Clearwater Police, Mark Brienza found a luggage claim check at Frenchie's Rockaway in Clearwater, took it to the hotel. He got the free got the free luggage. Police say they found Brenzia the next day after the victim called to report that they saw him riding around on a bike wearing all of their stolen clothes. <laughs> Security footage from the hotel shows him taking the luggage that he was taken into custody. He would not tell police where to find the other stuff. And then he later said that he kind of felt bad after he realized the items were for an entire family. Most of the stolen items were found. He apologized to the family. He was charged with grand theft. I mean, I feel bad for him, but also, dude, you're nuts. What? Thanks for tuning in to today's edition of Dana Lash's Absurd Truth Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Much of the media does not cover some of the most important news of the day. I'm Byron York from The Byron York Show. In my latest episodes, I discuss how Kamala Harris's unpopularity could affect her chances to be Joe Biden's successor. With inflation being the highest it's been in four decades, it could take years to get back to normal. And the White House had to explain Biden's speech from his appearance in Poland, where he called for, quote, regime change in Russia. So don't forget to download and subscribe to my daily No Chit Chat podcast to hear me explain expose, and dissect the news of the day. Subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts.